There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A church on mission. Our special guest today utilises an old drive-in theatre as part of church life. Already it sounds like a different type of church. We all might have an image in our own minds about what church is supposed to look like. There are traditional-looking churches and there are modern-looking churches, all to some extent are grappling with how to best care for one another serve our community and work in the Great Commission. Well, our special guest today leads a church with a mission and what is called a micro-church focus. Their vision is to raise missionaries, missionaries who are more intensely focused on discipleship and evangelism. And while a lot of what they do happens online, they run a supernatural missions deployment school equipping students with teaching whilst also mobilising them to go out into the harvest and share the gospel. Pastor Joel Shaw and his wife Candice lead Tivoli Miracle Centre in Chua in Ipswich, just to the west of Brisbane. Joel, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. It's wonderful to be here. Hey, Joel, let's start talking about your drive-in theatre, the Tivoli Drive-In Theatre. It's, I think, quite well known to listeners who are listening around Ipswich and uh, certainly the western side of Brisbane. Uh, You're using the old drive-in to a a kingdom purpose. That's right, yeah. It's um, been a pretty phenomenal opportunity. Uh, Actually, the founding pastor, Fred Mose, had a vision uh, back in the 1990s, I believe, um, of seeing the drive-ins, I think that was uh, the Tivoli Drive-In Cinema, um, converted into really a kingdom advancing, uh, an evangelistic center where people would come for a miracle, where people would get saved. And so, yeah, we actually own the Tivoli Drive-In Cinema. It runs every Saturday night. Uh, it's a low-cost option, I guess, in comparison to different places like um, in Yatla. But uh, it really is a kingdom opportunity. We've actually built a, a stage that's around over $100,000 um, that uh, has been raised through different different avenues. And uh, so we, we've actually had some evangelistic events and we're planning even in 2022 and 2023 to really to be able to capitalize on that. We have around 75,000 people that come through the gates uh, every year. And it truly is an amazing opportunity. They will drive into the ticket office and they'll see a sign above them that says, Tivoli Miracle Center welcomes you. Expect a miracle. Nothing's impossible with God. 
Wonderful stuff. And just to focus on the drive-in for a few moments, and mm. because drive-ins are an Australian institution, so many of us who have an extra decade or two on our lives will recognise that drive-ins were a part of growing up and drive-ins are becoming less and less common these days. But here's, it's a little bit like a blast from the past when I looked at your, your website. You know, $10 per car. Gates open at 4 p.m. and it's a, a family uh, focus on the sorts of films that you screen. That's right, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit of a blast in the past, a bit of a retro experience. But yeah, we have people that come as far as Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, that they'll be driving past other uh, drive-ins to come and be a part of um, uh, part of the experience. So yeah. I noted uh, that tomorrow night you're screening Sing Two and uh, Scott Pilgrim, and uh, I guess these are sort of these are real family movies. So, as a church running a drive-in theatre, you've got to be careful about the sorts of things you screen. Absolutely, that's definitely something that we've um, we've wrestled and we've weighed up. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we get 100% right every time, but certainly we, we actually have to screen movies, uh, back-to-back movies by each from each company. Uh, so you've got one from Sony or one from Disney. And so we, we really are aiming to make ensure that it's family-friendly. Um, and, uh, and and have an opportunity to be able to share the gospel. Uh, Joel, as I understand it, uh, when the drive-in came into the ownership of the church, it was fairly derelict, uh, fairly run down. You said that there's been a fundraising to upgrade the facilities there. Uh, that's been mm-hmm. happening now over a series of years, hasn't it? Absolutely, yes. So um, in connection to what's happening at the drive-in, we actually have uh, four skilling Queensland, uh, basically back-to-work um, initiatives uh, to be able, people that are getting traineeships, and um, I think it's around about 75% of these ones are, are getting jobs, uh, or 80% of them are getting jobs after that. So we actually have this construction team, and uh, they've been doing a, a lot of work. But I think one of the biggest things uh, which has been amazing is that when they were tr- we were transferring, this is right before my time with Pastor Fred, uh, when they were transferring between the old uh, digital, the sorry, the analog projectors into the new digital projectors, it was going to cost some $200,000 to make that upgrade. And uh, at the time, the church didn't have the money to be able to do that. So what was really encouraging is that they put, a, uh, put out a... Um, a fundraiser to the community and say, save the Tivoli Drive-In Cinema. And so the community really got together. I think the church raised about 100000 the community raised about 100000 um, to actually get behind it. And so that was encouraging that, uh, that it, we've obviously connected with the community enough that they felt to get behind it to make sure that they, they, were, you know, they wanted to save it. Uh, does your church meet in the precinct of the Drive-In Theatre? So we've we've actually had some uh, sort of sprinklings of what we call drive-in church, where we will uh, do church on the stage. Um, but we actually have our church building is uh, is on the premise there as well. So uh, we have those two options. And while you were describing the thoughts of you know utilizing the opportunity to give young people uh, some work skills, uh, training opportunities, obviously uh, it's a challenge mm. running a, a what is a business, a drive-in mm. theater. But as a pastor, let me just get on to this because this is where we'll really get to focus today and we might talk some more about the drive-in too, but 
a focus on the Great Commission. And you seem to have a really a more intensified focus on the Great Commission than some other aspects of, of our Christian uh, service. Uh, give us your insights into the value to you of the Great Commission. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Neil, it actually really started for me. Uh, I would never have thought of myself as being an evangelist. I'm always an, uh, have been quite introverted. My brother is very extroverted, very naturally connects with people, um, that uh, strangers and things like that. So it was some maybe 15 or 16 years ago. Uh, I was actually in Logan at the time, and we started a prayer meeting that lasted about a, a year and a half, almost every night of the week. And we were just really seeking the face of the Lord. We didn't have any agenda, but God just really birthed a passion for souls in my heart. And uh, the, one of the guys in the group actually challenged us to say, hey, would you, um, you know, what if we took this outside, and we, what if we started reaching out to people around us? And so... The first week I went out, I said, all right, I'm going to jump on, we're going to jump on some trains and we're going to reach out to people. And so this, I jumped on at Logan Lee. I got separated from the rest of the group. And Neil, it was probably one of the most embarrassing times that I went out because there were four indigenous kids there that I was just like, I was counting down inside. I'm going to approach them, ask if I could pray for anything. And I chickened out for 45 minutes. I followed them from a train to a bus all the other to the other side of town to Anala and I and I just I was just too afraid to step out but the following week we actually went out again and we ended up playing praying for a girl that was seven uh, 14 years old completely deaf in both of her ears and the Lord just opened her ears we were just absolutely stunned by this and as a result we were started to see um, about 11 decisions per week. Uh, supernatural boldness came upon me. I just I remember just even crying over the loss. And I feel like that this is where the Lord just ignited something in my heart, is that for, for such a big period of time, because I felt like I wasn't gifted in being able to connect with people far from God, and I already had my ministry as a worship leader, that all of those were lies. And I, I look at 1 Corinthians, where it talks about us, not only if I've been made brand new, I'm also an ambassador for Christ. And, uh, you know, the Great Commission is not the great suggestion. It was, it's for every single disciple to be able to teach them to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and teach them to obey. And so I am just incredibly, incredibly passionate about that. And so I believe that we're, we're starting to, to see a movement in our church where this is becoming more and more commonplace. An opportunity for listeners to join in our conversation today. And uh, let me just pose a question. Uh, listeners might like to respond what is church supposed to look like? I mentioned in the introduction there are more traditional-looking churches and then there are some pretty modern-looking churches and uh, lots of bright lights, a little bit like a nightclub. But there's an outward image and there's an inward, and we might call it a spirit uh, in church. We might call it the Holy Spirit in church. I know you like to call it something like a heartbeat how do you describe what sets church apart uh, from perhaps just something that's, you know, going through the motions? Because, you know, what is church supposed to look like? Uh, what do you think mm. it looks like, Joel? Mm. Excellent question, Neil. You know, I, I've been really impacted by um, Francis Chan, who had a mega church, and he has this video and really impacted me deeply. He goes, if you were to describe the church simply based on what you see in the New Testament, what would it look like? And exactly what you, you said many times, that people would describe a church as a building, as a facility, as a program, 
you know, as a place with, you know, perhaps uh, hopefully decent music and a good message and, you know, maybe a kids program and a youth program. But that's not what we see as the primary focus in the New Testament. And I think if you boil it down, you see that this is a community that is known by their love. I mean, Jesus says, by this all men would know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. In Acts chapter 2, I think that we see the purest form of church, where here's a community that's just been baptized. They were breaking bread together. They were fellowshipping, they were loving each other, and they were on mission. And, you know, the the thing, I guess, that concerns me, and being in, in church for so many years, is that it is those three things, people that are in love with Jesus, that are worshiping Jesus, that are loving one another well, that they're doing kingdom family. And number three is that they're actually reaching the lost and making disciples. Essentially, it's the great command and the great commission to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And to go, which, which the great commission involves two aspects, not just sowing seeds, but it's actually preaching the gospel and making disciples. And so, I believe that in essence, that's what we want to get back to, is that all of the other things are peripherals. If we can make the great command and the great commission centerfold, that in most churches, it's actually okay for people to be able to sit in the pew and not really necessarily connect with people and do kingdom family well, and and not actually reach the lost. I know so many, that that's actually the reality is that uh, I think in the U.S., I would imagine it would be similar in Australia, that they say that in about 96% of churchgoers uh, are not regularly sharing their faith. And you can think that the number of those that are actually making disciples of brand new Christians is even significantly lower. And so for me, I believe that that's a gaping hole that we need to get back to the basics and make the main thing the main thing. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Our special guest is Pastor Joel Shaw. He leads Tivoli Miracle Centre in Chua, Ipswich, just to the west of Brisbane. A very different looking sort of a church. They even run a drive-in theatre. And uh, we'd like to uh, hear from listeners your thoughts. What is the church supposed to look like? An outward image or an inward spirit or heartbeat? How would you describe it? one 800 316-316. Joel, let me ask you about some of the practical things. Uh, when we talk about having a church on mission, and you've got this focus on the Great Commission, you've got people who are you know, getting out of their comfort zone and prepared to share their faith, uh, their testimony. How does all of this practically look in a church community? Yeah, so Neil, I mean, as you mentioned, we've been wrestling, we've been innovating, and uh, I'm just uh, so grateful for community um, that has been all along this journey, you know, to be able to say, let's re-experiment, let's, let's look at what church, uh, you know, could look like and, and be a new wineskin that is flexible and able to, to move. And so, uh, you know, just even over the, the COVID period, as, as many pastors have experienced, and I'm sure your listeners have, have experienced where um, church buildings have closed, have had to close their doors due, due to lockdown. And I think that a lot of people are re rethinking, you know, what, what is church if during the lockdown period, if it was my Sunday gathering from 9.30 till 11 a.m., you know, and, and things happen in a sequence. So we've just been reimagining it where we've particularly landed at the moment, and we've sort of retweaked, but making the Great Command and the Great Commission central. So we actually meet every second week um, in our buildings, and then the other, uh, the other week we actually meet in homes, 
And so all the way from sort of Logan to uh, different areas in Ipswich, we, um, we meet in homes, we meet over Zoom, so we connect a little bit with, um, with some worship in a short word. But uh, we really believe in the equipping of the saints. So you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it says, if anybody comes together, you see a tongue interpretation of tongue, you see a revelation, you see a hymn. And so it's, there's this sense that everybody's bringing something to the table. And so we've found that that has been really catalytic in terms of our community that is growing in the family, the family side of things, to be able to love one another. You see in Acts chapter 2 that they were meeting both in the temple and they were meeting how house to house. And then the second thing that we've been doing as well, actually we're doing this this coming Sunday, we're meeting out at Orion, where we're getting outside the four walls and we're going down to uh, Rebel Domain in Springford, Springfield, Orion, and we're just going to be worshiping outdoors. And these have been pretty amazing because we want to just continue to remind us it's not just about what's happening in the four walls. It's about actually reaching the lost. And uh, I remember the last time that we did it, there was um Two, uh, two young girls uh, that came and they heard the music and they walked along the side. And, uh, and then our community, one after another, they just really started to, to love on them. And we, we had a big water balloon game for their kids. And, uh, and then they shared a really simple gospel tool called the three circles. And both of these girls gave their hearts to the Lord. And so those are some of the practical things. The other thing that we've been doing as well, uh, Neil, I think you mentioned that as well, is that we've launched a Thursday uh, Supernatural Missions Deployment School. And uh, I am just, this is that we're on the third or fourth week <clears throat> Of this, and I'm just absolutely astounded uh, by this group of, of people that we're seeing. I don't know, probably about ten, at least ten decisions. We've got about thirty in the school. About ten decisions for Christ, I would say, per week. In fact, just on Saturday, uh, there's two of our team members that have just been delivering to flood-affected families and uh, offering help and assistance from our church that's become a flood relief center. And we've just offered to pray for people. Uh, there was a Buddhist guy there that was actually deaf and completely deaf in one ear and had partial hearing in the other one. And he was astounded that in his completely deaf ear, he's, according to what the students uh, let us know, that now he has 60% hearing in the deaf ear, and the other ear that was partially deaf is 100%. Then he gave his heart to the Lord as well. And so we're seeing these kinds of things as well as people coming to Christ, uh, becoming more and more regular. Um, there's a, another uh, another two girls that had come to our community cafe just in the last few months, uh, Chris, Crystal and Trish, and some of our team shared with them, and they've given their hearts to the Lord. They've been baptized, and it's just been absolutely wonderful because these new ones uh, are being introduced to a Great Commission um, community, and so they don't know any difference. So they're immediately understand that this is we are a, a community that actually shares the gospel and so it's becoming so natural for the new ones to be able to do the same thing a little reminiscent of jesus sending out the 72 and mm. uh, they came back rejoicing that they uh, were able to uh, you know in the name of jesus miracles were happening and demons were Absolutely. being cast out there's something in a culture there. Uh, sometimes we get so secularized in our culture and we believe the uh, narrative that somehow or other miracles are not happening. But uh, you're testifying today these miracles are happening regularly and it's ordinary people who are out in their community and praying for people and, and miracles are actually happening weekly. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been outstanding. I mean, Neil, personally, I didn't feel that I had the quote unquote gift of healing um, about 15 years ago. But it was through these prayer meetings that we started to realize that it is actually completely natural. And Jesus says these things and greater shall you do. Um, as he says, you'll lay your hands upon the sick, they shall recover. You see James chapter 5, that you, when you, the prayer of faith will heal them. But I, I feel like that there's actually a turning point. Even uh, some of our students last week, uh, there were two weeks ago maybe it was, they were saying that they hadn't personally laid their hands on the sick and, and uh, seen them recover. But now they're coming back one week later, two weeks later, saying, oh my goodness, I just prayed for the first person uh, out there on the streets, and, and, they're, and they're getting healed. And so it really is, it's, it's not that difficult when you realize that we're just believing, and, uh, and God, God does the rest. Uh, you know, recently, and some listeners might remember, I had as a guest your worship pastor. His name is Nathan Fawcett, and yes, we were talking yep. about worship in the park. Now, uh, this is an interesting connection here because uh, we were talking about pop-up worship and something very much different to what we're used to. And and I think we were talking last year and uh, in the midst of COVID and everything. So going out into the park with a guitar, beginning to play and have a worship time and a crowd gathering. Uh, it's just for some that's going to sound like, well, does that still happen today? today? Well, th- <laughs> this is the case. Nathan is your worship pastor. That's right. Yes, uh, yes. Give us exactly. some insight into, you know, because uh, when we heard that you're meeting one week in church and the next week you've mm-hmm. got your people meeting in homes, but, oh, there's a special occasion here. We're all going to take the church and go and meet in a park in another suburb. Uh, and Nathan's yes. a part of that. Yes, exactly. Well, that's quite similar to what we're about to do um, this uh, this coming Sunday, in the out, outdoors, open air. I mean, it was happening with, uh, it was happening with John Wesley, uh, John Wesley thought it was a crazy thing when he heard that um, uh, you know uh, George Whitfield was preaching in fields. Uh, I don't know if Nathan mentioned to you last year we started something that we called uh, Catch the Wave out in uh, on the Sunshine Coast, and uh, we were so inspired by um, a friend of mine named Jesse Green in the U.S. who had a vision that there was thousands of people that were getting baptized in Huntington Beach, and so. And, and as a result, they've seen thousands and thousands of people that have been um, baptized. So we decided that we would do that out here on the Sunshine Coast. And so we just set up, we did some open-air worship, and then we preached preach the gospel at the end of it. But not only do we preach the gospel, we said, okay, you know, the, the Ethiopian, what, what, what's, what's holding me back from being baptized? So we preached the gospel, and then we, uh, we didn't know what to expect. We, we said, you know, we're going to take some people down to the beach, we're going to baptize them. And we were absolutely just astounded by the number of people that were saying not only yes to Jesus, but willing to be baptized. And so I was out there with a camera just capturing, just tears streaming down my face. You could see people's faces just glowing, hugging each other, saying yes to Jesus. And uh, so, you know, Anil, I believe that this is, uh, it's harvest time for Australia. Well, I think you're leading the way and momentum is one of those issues, isn't it? And uh, it's great to be able to hear from uh, yourself, uh, a pastor inspired and leading, uh, building a culture in church life that has this focus on the Great Commission. How does that culture get contagious? Uh, So there'll be lots of people listening to us saying, my church doesn't look anything like that. And uh, I've been uh, just saying uh, just a short while ago, you know, call in, what is church supposed to look like? 
How do you make this contagious? Uh, you just have to tell the story, like we're doing today, I guess. Uh, yeah. Tell the story. This is the way it happens. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I definitely believe that, that testimonies are the key to be able to open, you know, to open the door. It's interesting, Neil, when I get to minister in different places around the world, um, there's a, a tendency that people in whatever location that they're situated, they believe that it can't happen in their area. So whether I'm uh, preaching in, in Australia, New South Wales, or different places that they say, well, you know, that can, if you tell the stories of what's happening in China or Africa or, or India or Philippines, <clears throat> they say, well, that's for there, but it's not for here. And, you know, what's interesting, uh, Neil, is that, you know, many times I share the testimonies of Philippines. We've seen amazing things happen in Philippines. And we'll share the, the, uh, the stories in Australia, and people say, wow, it can't happen in Australia. But when then now we're, we're actually taking the stories from Australia to the Philippines. And, uh, and I've actually shared with some Filipino pastors who said exactly the same thing. Oh, what you're seeing in Australia can't happen in the Philippines. See, God's not limited. And, and, uh, and I believe that the Lord can move anywhere. It just takes people that are willing to pay the price to be able to step out. I put, actually put a challenge out to our students last week, and I said, um, we, we have a, a global online school as well that join, joins us called Actions Now Moment. And I said, uh, we just train them in a very, very simple way of being able to heal the sick. And I said, look, if you pray for 20 people and uh, out there in, on the streets, particularly people that, that don't know God, if you pray for 20 people that have got pain in their body and they... Um, uh, you know, uh, and you haven't experienced a miracle before uh, uh, through your hands, uh, I'd be happy to give you 500 Australian dollars if not one single person uh, uh, tells you that something is, has changed or, or has experienced a miracle. That's how confident I am that people can be able to step into that. So it's a matter of telling the stories of being able to, you know, I, I believe that that generates momentum. And it was really stories that inspired us stories of, of what was happening in California, for instance, with the baptisms. And I believe that that testimony actually generates a space for faith to be released and God to be able to move. The drive-in theatre, though, Joel, just come back to the drive-in for a few moments. You said that something like 75,000 people are coming through the gates of the drive-in each year. Do they know that it's a church-owned drive-in, or is it just people from the community going out to see a good movie? Uh, how does the drive-in actually connect you with the community? Yeah, this is a great question, Neil. Um, so one of the first things that people will see, as I mentioned before, is when they go through the ticket office, uh, there's a, a large sign that says, uh, Tivoli Miracle Center welcomes you. Expect a miracle, nothing is impossible with God. So that's the first thing that they'll encounter, and we have uh, different volunteers that are, are, are sprinkled out through the, um, the drive-in staff. And then also on the screens, uh, we will have, we, we actually uh, show videos of miracles, videos of things of people that, that have happened uh, to them in the church, testimonies, things like that. And, uh, and then from time to time, we also will utilize the stage to be able to um, play worship songs and even to preach a gospel message. And that all happens before uh, the, uh, the um, movies kick off at around 6.30 or 7, depending on what time of year it is. How important are the miracles in what you're doing, Joel? Because uh, a lot of churches might, if they had the drive-in theatre, they might have a sign-up saying, we care for you. But your sign is saying, expect a miracle. 
you know, depending on uh, where you're coming from in church life as to whether you think the church ought to be dripping with the supernatural, which is what I <laughs> tend to like to think of uh, church actually moving to an image like that. But uh, expect a miracle. How important is that as an element of what you're doing in ministry? Yeah, well, Neil, I believe that it is. Uh, it's it's critical. I mean, you see that Jesus, when he sent out the uh, seventy, as you mentioned before, he said, "Heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near you now." I believe that uh, that Jesus's gospel was actually a show and a, and tell gospel. Heal them first, tell them that the kingdom of God is near them. Um, also, uh, Paul says that uh, that he has fully proclaimed the gospel through signs and wonders, and so I believe that there's actually a restoration. That this is this is uh, you know the miraculous. Is not the gospel is not the sharing the gospel, but it actually opens people's hearts to be able to realize how good God is. You know, Neil, just last week um, I was delivering some um, some meals to some families that were uh, that were affected by the floods, and it was uh, you know a sort of a, a, a rougher Aussie uh, family, uh, not far from where we lived, and uh, I delivered the meals to them, and at the end of it, I I offered to pray for them. And I could tell that these, they were not very open. And if I were to share the gospel with them, it was probably very unlikely that they would respond. But I offered to pray for them, and most of them said, no, no, we're not interested. But there was a 17-year-old boy there named Braden, and uh, he had broken wrists, broken ankles. His body, he said that he had about 10 out of 10 pain in his whole body. So I offered to pray for him, and he reluctantly said yes. And uh, after I prayed for him, he was absolutely stunned that it went from a 10 down to 5. And I prayed for him again. You know, Jesus, uh, I believe it's legal to be able to pray for people more than once. Jesus prayed for the blind man uh, two times before he received 100% healing. So I prayed for him again, and all the pain left his body. He was absolutely astounded. And he was, he was dropping some uh, unsavory language in response to that, but that was the only way that he could express it. And then I said, Braden, you've got to come and tell your family what happened there. And so Braden actually opened up to the rest of his family and says, look, all the pain in my body is, has left. And so, you know, we certainly see people that have been healed and uh, and they haven't actually responded to the gospel, and other people that have actually responded to the gospel without ex- actually experiencing a miracle. We absolutely believe that the gospel is power in the proclamation in itself. But a combination of the two, um, I believe, is absolutely is, um, is the powerhouse combination. Who are your best exponents of these sorts of things? And we're talking about a church on mission here, and and I'm hearing that there's lots of new converts and you're trying to get uh, new converts discipled so that they can disciple mm. others. And we'll get on to some of that. But uh, the new converts or uh, the older Christians who are looking for something a little different, who are the best exponents of of capturing the culture of what you're bringing to church life? Yeah, great question. So uh, one one uh, man that comes to mind, is his name's Chad. And uh, around about eight years ago, we were we were ministering Logan in the Woodridge area, and uh, I was running a uh, supernatural ministry school at the time. And there's a blue building there that we were doing worship, and he was um, he was passing by. He was actually on his way to to deliver some drugs, and he heard the the worship, and he was drawn to the presence of God. And one young uh, one of our, our students, Hannah. 
uh, went out to him and offered to pray for him. And, and immediately he was just touched by the presence of God, began just to cry uncontrollably. And so she brought him into the, into the meeting and our students got around him and just loved on him. And uh, one of our students as well says, okay, I want you to leave everything behind. Come and live with us. We'll disciple you. And so he got rid of his drugs. He left everything behind. And uh, within two or three days, he himself was starting to see miracles. People come to Christ. I mean, he's incredibly bold. This, this guy uh, is from PNG. He used to be part of the, the Rascals, a really, uh, you know, really rough group over there. Um, but, uh, and he's an incredible freestyle rapper. So every time that we took him out, he would be freestyle rapping the gospel and just sharing with everybody the move. But he didn't know any different because he was immediately invited into a community that, where the Great Commission was central. So within seven days, we went back to the same place that, uh, that we picked Chad up. And uh, there was guys that were wanting to buy drugs off him. And he says, bro, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and he says, but I-, I got something even better. And his name is Jesus. And he just started to lead people to, to the Lord. And so it's been eight years later. And, um, and Chad's actually in town. And he's just as bold as he was then. He just, he literally shares the gospel with, with everybody that moves. We, we uh, just the other week, I took him in the car. And, and there's a, a, a lady that was delivering us some um, some chicken from Oporto, and he's just he's just sharing the gospel with her just right through the window, and that's that's the kind of lifestyle that he lives. At risk of oversimplifying what we're talking about today, uh, but uh, just uh, to touch on this for a few moments, uh, what we're talking about here is not rocket science. In fact, it seems to me, and uh, you just tell me if I'm oversimplifying this at all, but. Simply the offer to pray for someone is going to bring the presence of God and uh, Mm. we can't actually uh, even foreknow what will happen when we do pray, but it's God who moves when we take that step of faith. I mean, is this an oversimplified way of thinking about this? As a Christian believer, whether you're a new convert or whether you've been saved for 50 years, uh, getting into the sort of... uh, plan that says, I'm going to offer to pray for people, uh, that brings all the difference. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that, um, Neil. And, you know, this. Uh, perhaps there may be listeners that think, oh, you know, well, this is obviously something that uh, Joel is gifted for, or it, it, this is some kind of unique gift that I'm operating in. Uh, or, or perhaps people think that there's some kind of level of faith that you have to, to acquire. You know, and Jesus says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved. And there's been so many times, Neil, where, where I have uh, offered to pray for people, and they have, um, I felt like that, that my, uh, my faith for, for the miraculous when it comes to pain was getting stronger. But in, in other spaces, I, I just didn't feel like I had faith for it. For instance, there was a guy in the Hyperdome um, that I was ministering to. I went to, to find a guy who had a cast in his arm and pray for him. And I offered to pray for him. And he said, no, I'm not interested. But his friend came up to me and he said he had his tongue pierced. He says, can you pray for my tongue? And I'm like, my, my initial thought is, no, oh, this is self-inflicted. There's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> But all of his friends left, so I was just left with this guy. And I actually filmed it on my wife's iPod, and he says, oh, can you take the swelling down? So his tongue was literally sw- swollen from the top of the bar to the bottom of the bar. And he says, can you take the swelling down? <laughs> and back on the, on the replay, 
my response was, whatever, I'll pray for you. So I just, I prayed for him. I'm like, Lord, would you touch his tongue? And Lord, I just pray that you would touch, touch him with your presence and reveal, him, reveal yourself. To him. Anyway, this, this guy, he tests it out and, and he starts freaking out. And he's like, are you fellows ghosts or something? And he touches his tongue. And I was just, my mind was absolutely blown because the, the tongue that was previously completely swollen now was completely normal. And, uh, and the Lord had healed his tongue. It just it went outside my paradigm. And as a result, the following week, the same guy that had the cast was his friend. And I said, mate, your friend got healed last week. And so I prayed for him. And next week he came back to me and said that, that all of the pain had gone and that he was completely restored. So there's been so many times, even there was another guy that came up to me and said that uh, he had no pain in his arm, but his, his bone had been fused incorrectly. And, uh, and so he says, can you pray for that? I didn't, I didn't feel like I had any faith that anything was going to happen there. But after I prayed for him really quickly, uh, the, the, his bone miraculously went straight. And this guy was freaking out. I was freaking out. I'm like, I can't believe that this actually happened. Now, there's been times where people have walked away that, that have still had pain in their body. And, uh, but, you know, I just believe that the, that the act, I, I remember a, a pastor uh, making this quote, how do you know that you have faith for somebody to, to be healed? And his answer is, is that you pray for people. You just step out. Just believe that the Lord is going to do something. And, uh, and, and you'll be amazed what happens. And you're not forcing yourself on a situation. You're actually making an offer for prayer. And in some sense here, is that a sign of uh, open and receiving from God? If someone says, I've got nothing to lose, why don't you pray for me? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, let's let's talk Supernatural Missions Deployment School. And because you've got a lot of online opportunities and there's people Mm. been signing up to all sorts of things you've been doing all around the world. So for our Australia-wide audience today, how can people, say, in more remote areas who don't often get to connect with someone who's you know, leading a church the way you are, uh, get to be a part of some of the things you're doing? So uh, give us some insights here into your Supernatural Missions Deployment School and uh, the Acts Now moment. Yeah, absolutely. So last year, um, we launched a online school called Acts. We're, we're calling it the Acts Now Moment, and <laughs> uh, you can have a look on uh, www.actsnowglobal.com. And it's a collaboration of um, uh, myself. We have an amazing team, and we also have um, some some guys over in Switzerland and Germany that are just absolutely cutting edge in terms of movements, uh, disciple-making movements where there's been multiplication that's touched nations. that have been absolutely phenomenal to another guy named Jason Chin, who's equipped over 100,000 people globally. So we partnered up together, and we've launched a online um, an online school that we've called Acts Now uh, Global. Uh, we weren't sure what to experience, uh, what we were going to um, experience in terms of the number of students last year because I've run previous schools that have just been online and, uh, you know, one, just one person uh, joining on Zoom. 
But what we felt is being critical is, you know, Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. So we made the decision that we were going to be exclusively focusing on groups. So if people can gather one or more other others on Zoom to connect with us, that we would take them through the training. And uh, so at the end of 2020, we put our first information session, and I think we got about four people interested um, in the school, and we're like, we don't even know if they're going to gather people what is the minimum number that we're going to we're going to take and uh but anyway last year god just um uh just you know we were absolutely astounded by what the lord did and so we've run two schools about 750 students around 30 nations and uh from the reporting that's come back we've had a, uh, seen around 1800 decisions for christ that have come through uh some of those schools and and places like the philippines they've actually launched up to five fifth and sixth generation churches over there and so there's been real multiplication so we're just it's nothing that we could really we could do in our our own strength we can't take credit for that but um there definitely seems to be a mo- momentum on being able to equip the the global bride for the harvest and we were talking earlier about how do you get these things to be contagious uh, and it's not uh, from one individual to another but also from one church to another church uh, are other churches uh, connecting with you on this level at all Joel uh, how, how are churches I mean uh, some people might be thinking well uh, that's not my denomination or that doesn't sound like my brand of Christianity uh, but I can hear what you're saying because there is a biblical spirit a biblical heartbeat in what you're talking about uh, so uh, for other churches will they fit in with you doctrinally are you uh, are you weird uh, you know those sorts of things uh, you know how do you hope to interact with the broader church that doesn't come necessarily from this flavor yeah absolutely i think that's a great a great question and uh you know i've been really inspired by the whole micro church uh, concept um that uh, brian sanders over the in the u.s and they've really seen a launch of of just reimagining church based on those the great command the great commission um worship community and mission and so really when it comes to doctrinal things that they uh you know other than the the key core tenets of scripture that um that are unshakable uh you know we're willing to work with um people of of different backgrounds people and people of different denominations and uh you know we've we've uh, i believe that this is a global thing we we need to partner with the the church globally to be able to see that are we are we weird i don't think that i don't think we weird you might have to ask my yeah. my wife on that but we really we want to just go back to the basics when if there's anything uh that we we if there's anything that we're doing that is hindering uh, the fullness of what God wants to release on the earth that is not matching up Scripture. We don't want to have a part of that. We want to get back to the core of what Jesus envisioned for the church, a church that is vibrant, a church that is known by their love, and a church that is making disciples who are making disciples. Uh, when I say weird, I wasn't making fun of you, but I'm putting all of us potentially in the same mm. boat because as soon as you say that the church in Australia ought not be just secular, uh, just an mm. intellectual pursuit, uh, then somehow or other you've got to be able to jump out of the boat and say, well, I think I want to be more like Jesus. And if he yeah. was yeah. into the miraculous and the supernatural and expectant that things would happen when we pray, then that automatically puts us into the weird category. And I guess sure. Sure. somehow or other you've just got to get used to that. Hey, sometimes we talk church culture 
and uh, the hope that people will carry that culture. And uh, back to what we were talking about is that spirit of your church or the heartbeat of your church. You want to keep this biblical. You want to keep the focus on Jesus. So somehow, rather, beyond winning the new convert and teaching them to pray for people, uh, discipleship and taking people deeper into an understanding of their faith, how do you go about that sort of thing, Joel? Mm. Yeah, well, one of the things, Neil, that I've been learning, that there's been some uh, phenomenal movement, um, the only way that I could describe it is mo- movement catalysts around the world. So I've been, uh, I, I suppose, exposed to uh, a traditional model of church and where, you know, discipleship looks like a, a class where somebody will stand up and they will teach from the Word of God. And so I, I would model that type of discipleship. So people that I, I would be bringing to the Lord, um, uh, would, uh, you know, they might have a question for me. And so, um, and so based on my, um, you know, experience in the mission field and my biblical knowledge, I could pretty much off the cuff give them the answer. Um, but what I realized that the issue that was happening there in terms of discipleship is that uh, there was a kind of a codependency that was created. And so what I'm really learning from a, a lot of these guys that are seeing disciple-making movements around the world, for instance, Troy Cooper is my mentor, and he, he is, uh, has actually discipled a guy named Jacob Vi, who's seen a disciple-making movement in um, Haiti, and they've seen an average of 1,000 baptisms every single day in Haiti. It is literally changing the spiritual landscape of Haiti, which is just amazing. And so um, uh, just adopting some of these principles, so that rather than when, when a new convert comes to me and asks, um, you know, has a question about something, that we can open the Word of God together. And instead of me giving them the answer, they can actually read the passage and and I'll ask them the question, well, what do you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this passage? And so to help them and guide them, uh, and nine out of ten times, they hit the money on the head. They hit it right on the head. And so, so the Holy Spirit will be speaking to them through the words. So when they leave... Um, you know, there's times where I need to bring correction and adjustment, but rather than them saying, okay, I'm going to come back to Pastor Joel because he has all the answers, I know that the answers are actually found in the Word, and and the Holy Spirit can speak to me. So what we want to do is, is I, f- I feel like the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And a lot of times, I don't feel like there's, there's a lot of equipping that happens in a traditional church forum, not because there isn't great, there's phenomenal teaching that's around the world, but when, in order for equipping to occur, there actually needs to be practice that, that is done. So people can sit in, I realized when I went to, to Bible college, Neil, that I, I sat through a whole bunch of evangelistic courses, but I didn't really put anything into practice. The same thing, discipleship courses, it wasn't actually hands-on, but you see with Jesus, he took them along for the journey. Then he sends out the 12, and then he brings them back, and they debrief, and he sends them out again. He sends out the 70, and he brings them out. So there's this hands-on training. It would be like uh, most Christians are almost, uh, when when you think about um, uh, getting your driver's license, everybody knows the learner's booklet back to front, but nobody's actually sat behind the, the driver's wheel. And so we want to make sure that we give people opportunity to be able to minister, minister to one another, to be able to share the gospel, to get practice 
And uh, and so I, I feel like that's one of the uh, the critical ingredients. Does, does that answer the question? Fabulous stuff. It's not just about knowing the road rules. It's what happens when you get behind the wheel that's going to count. Exactly. Uh, Pastor Joel Shaw has been our guest. Time has run out. I feel like we could talk a lot longer about the, the good things that are happening in his church at uh, Tivoli Miracle Centre, Chua, Ipswich, just to the west of Brisbane. And I know that there might be listeners wanting to connect on a whole lot of different levels here because you might want to join in one of these short courses on how you can catch some of this sort of culture that's going on there because so many will want this sort of thing happening in their own community. Let me give a couple of websites on a different level here. Just go back to the Tivoli Drive-In Theatre for a few moments. You want to know what's on at the Tivoli Drive-In Theatre, particularly for Brisbane, Ipswich, Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast listeners. Uh, those are on the east coast of Australia. TivoliMiracleCentre.com and there'll be a TivoliDriveIn.com.au. There's a link there for the Tivoli Drive-In Theatre as well. Now, the courses that we've been talking about and to connect with Pastor Joel Shaw, who leads Tivoli Miracle Centre, ActsNowGlobal.com. ActsNowGlobal.com Was there any other, I feel like I might have missed a, 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 a web link there too. Was there something I missed there, Joel? No, I think you, you nailed That's it. it. Those two, TivoliMiracleCenter.com or ActsNowGlobal.com. I did want to mention too, and as Joel is taking his church outside of the four walls and outside of the home church that he does a week week about. They're also going to be in a park this weekend and they're going to be at Springfield in Brisbane, the circle in Rebel Domain. So you might want to join Joel for church on Sunday. Joel, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts, your hearts, your stories with us today on 2020. Thank you so much for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 